Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Title on this one, uh, An Upside-Down Kingdom. Upside-Down Kingdom. Uh, so through, through the book of Acts, we've seen a lot of things. We've seen Jesus tell his people that he wanted them to go into all the world and make disciples. Uh, we, we heard him say, uh, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Um, and they've, they've gone for it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the church has spread. And through the book of Acts, another thing we've gotten to see is the character of the kind of person that God uses and the kinds of things that God wants to work out in our life. Now, we realize uh, it was a different world. Right? This is 2,000 years ago. This is the Roman Empire. They're not wearing jeans. They're wearing robes and togas and sandals and such things. Um, but essentially, think about it for a second. Essentially, people have always been people. That's profound, right? <laughs> right? We've all dealt with things like family issues. We've all had things like work and pains and joys. People have always just woken up in the morning and, and taken a deep breath and headed into the life that was in front of them. They've gone to bed at night. I know this is plain things, right? But these folks had the same kinds of concerns. And here, these folks, like us, have become believers, have become Christians. People like Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas go into their world we're as believers sent into our world. Um, in chapter 16, we saw that as Christians, they were led. They were led into the distinct things that God had for them. Um, they were led by the Spirit. And Paul and Silas, by the Spirit, are, are off to Macedonia. And then when they go there in the city of Philippi, they meet opposition. And life is filled with opposition and difficulties. And yet we see a character of those Christians and characteristic that God wants to work in our life is that even though there was difficulty, they were filled with joy in Philippi. And God worked in that situation and through that situation. So we learn a lot of things about us, what God would have for us in this normal Christian life. It's the same Christian life that they experienced. Here in chapter 17, Paul and the band move on. Let's read our, our section here, verse 1 through 9. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where, they were, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded. And a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few leading women, joined Paul and Silas. So let's just stop there. We see the story here. Uh, they pass through a few places that I can't pronounce. <laughs> uh, Amphipolis. Amphipolis, right? I don't live there. I don't have to worry about it, right? Uh, Amphipolis, about 30 miles from Philippi. So picture it. They traveled for a day, 30 miles. Now, that's, that's, that's a lot of walking in my mind, but that seems to be how far they went. 
They stayed there for the night. No synagogue in, in that city. So they move on, right? And they come to another city, Apollonia, which is 30 miles from that first place and 30 miles from Thessalonica. So it's a day's travel by foot. And, and finally, they get to Thessalonica, which is in modern Greece. And you can Google Maps this. Uh, it's not all pretty <laughs> where I landed on Google Maps, but it's by the sea, right? So it's, it's, it's pretty in its own way, right? They, they have a harbor there on the Aegean Sea. And, and here they are in modern Greece, a place called Thessalonica. And they come... Verse 2, Paul, as his custom was, went into them to the synagogue for three Sabbaths and reasoned from the scriptures, reasoned with them from the scriptures. So he finds a synagogue, a, a, a meeting place of the Jews there in Thessalonica, and he goes in and he begins to speak to them. Why does he, why does he have to go there? Well, there was a good grounding already there for them. They already believed in God. They looked at creation. They go, this is the work of, of one God. They, they had a hope of a Messiah who was promised, a savior to save us from our sin, to redeem this world. The Jews there had this hope. And so Paul goes in and for three Sabbaths, he reasons to them. Out of the scriptures, notice that in verse two, this is huge. From the scriptures, it wasn't a, well, I kind of think, it wasn't a, I feel like God is kind of, you know, and, and, and he took the scriptures, which they had and which they knew and they understood, and he began to reason, speaking with them and explaining um, back and forth dialogue with them over these things that Jesus is the promised Messiah, that he came and was killed and rose from the dead. And he is the savior of the world, the only way to the father. And Paul then reasoned with them. It's important that we have some reasons for what we believe. The I think I feel just doesn't go very far. It's not a foundation for our lives. And it's really nothing that we can share with other people. I just feel like God is like, just don't, right? You have God's word. It explains what God is like. It explains what God desires. It explains what's required for salvation and the hope that there is in Jesus. Paul went in and he did that. In fact, he did everywhere. Notice verse 4. And some of them were persuaded. A great multitude of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. So some are persuaded, and some believe. This is the same thing everywhere the word of God goes, right? Uh, Matthew chapter 13 is a great chapter to go back to often. Jesus tells a parable of a sower, somebody who had seeds and was planting them in the ground, right? We could, we could have somebody go over there and scatter seeds, and we'll see what happens if we get some rain, right? But Jesus there, he tells this parable of seed that was thrown out into the soil. Different kinds of soil received that seed. Some of it was bad. It was hard ground. It was stony ground. It, it was thorny ground. And the seed didn't really grow. 
in that ground. But some seed found good ground. Not a very exciting story, right? But it shows us a lot that God's word like seed goes out. And if our heart is open, it'll grow. But some were persuaded and some were not. It really depends on what the heart is like. That's not something that we can change about someone else. We just throw the seed like Paul and Silas, like Jesus, like all of them did. They just threw God's word out to people. And some were persuaded and some were not. Story of life. And here in verse 5, we see how it ends up. Some were persuaded, some were not. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of... Man, these Bible names are so difficult, right? I don't know. Jason, we'll call him Jason. And sought to bring them out to the people. So that was my big funny for the day. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, uh, Check it out. Their response, like it's always been their response, was envy. Such a basic emotion. Envy. We don't even realize how envy gets in our heart. When we see someone who has something that we don't, we go, envy, you know? And this little thing of envy goes in our heart. I can feel envy. I can feel jealousy. I can feel resentment, right? I can feel self-pity in my life. And it's a little thing in our heart, and yet it stops God's word from working. Envy, jealousy, resentment, self-pity. I mean, these are simple things. These religious leaders, these these unbelieving Jews, the big hang-up that they had was, well, why are people following you and not us? I'm envious. And because of that, they wouldn't believe. And they didn't believe. You have to understand, beware of the little things in your heart. And make sure you hear that. Beware of the little things in your heart, like envy, jealousy, resentment, self-pity. They will keep us from growing, from God's word doing what it wants to do in our lives. And it's the same old story here. The envy of these unbelieving Jews changes everything. And they took evil men from the marketplace. Guys that really were just standing around, didn't have anything going on. A mob. And they attacked the house of Jason. Strange to say your own name in the Bible. Um, <laughs> doesn't happen, but this chapter, right? Um, and, and here, notice, um, they sought to bring, there was an uproar. They attacked the house and they sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason, poor guy, and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Right. So here's the problem. They attack the house where they suppose that Paul and Silas were at. And 
Paul and Silas are gone. Paul and Silas are getting good at this, right? <laughs> it's practical, right? Are they, are they running? Are they scared? Not really. It's kind of practical. Like, why should we go to jail again? Let's just leave the house. <laughs> and they did. And, and their accusation, though, against them is where we kind of want to camp for a few minutes here. Their accusation, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. They might mean to say is, They've turned our world upside down, right? It's inconvenient what's happened to them, that the people are listening to this good news about Jesus rather than their teaching. Uh, envy, right, in their hearts. And, and here is the accusation that we all should have, we should all seek to have, to be people who turn the world upside down. Because the real problem is the world is already upside down, right? So if you take it upside, you know this one, right? You take an upside down world and you turn it the other way, it's right side up. But it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of how you look at it. Now, it's normal life here in this world, but we have the backstory, right? We go back to Genesis chapter 3. Man, you can always go back to Genesis chapter 3. We go there often. That's where everything fell apart. And sin entered the world uh, through deception, right? The serpent, uh, the devil, he deceives man and woman into doing exactly what God told them not to do. Now, the result of that is the world is flipped upside down. Not literally, but people are messed up, right? Values are messed up, we see from the very beginning. The kinds of things that are important just whoop, right? Is it God? No, it's me. It's my comfort, right? Um, Morality is flipped upside down. And by chapter four, we see there's already a murder, right? As Cain, envious of his brother and God's approval for him, he kills his brother. By chapter six, the world is filled with violence and every thought and intent of their heart is evil only. The world is just flipped upside down. If we feel comfortable in this world, we really ought to stop and take a little look at it. The values are messed up. The values of this world, the here and now. What can I get for myself? What can I have? Where can I go? The values of heaven, it's eternal. Eternal values. Um, the, the, The morality is flipped upside down, isn't it? I mean, we see this in our culture more than anything else. And I just want to encourage you, if you watch TV, be discerning and and really take a look at what you're taking in because chances are it's completely upside down. You know, the marriage bed, not sacred. Eh, whatever. Well, whoever, whenever. Um, The idea of what's important. Man, you've got to look out for yourself. Man, you've got to live for here and now. The world will tell us the complete opposite that God tells us. We have to understand that this world is backwards. It's upside down. If we feel comfortable here, we really ought to take a deeper look um, because it's not our home. So, David said in Psalm 19, verse 7 and 8, The law of the Lord is perfect, 
converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. We need to really get our mind around truth. Truth, just truth. We need to let God's word show us what's really important. Eternity, the souls of people. Those are the things that are really important. And we see through the Bible over and over again, what happens when we live in this upside down world. Take the book of Judges, for instance. The book of Judges is one of those books that kind of like turns my stomach when I realize it's time to go through it in devotions. I mean, it's a good book. Don't get me wrong. But the punchline in the book of Judges is at the very end where it says, there was no king in Israel and each one did what was right in their own eyes. So the whole frame set of the book of Judges is everybody did what they thought was right in their own eyes. And have you read the book of Judges? Death, destruction, lots of hurt. It is an ugly book to read. When we all just decide to live in this upside down world, it gets ugly. We need to know the truth and we need to stand in the truth. We need to live the truth. Now, a couple of things before we move on. Uh, Paul in Ephesians says, speak the truth in love. Now, it's not loving to not tell the truth. Let's just figure that out, right? To just say, like, well, you know, what's good for you is good for you, and what's good for me is good for me. That's your truth. That's not loving, right? That's not loving if, if the road drops out up ahead. If there's destruction waiting ahead, the loving thing to do is tell the truth. So you tell this truth in an upside down world in love. Um, God's truth is going to seem really backwards in our world as we take a stand for righteousness in a world that just doesn't care. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness sake. I I went to Bible college for a few years and at Calvary Chapel, love it. Bible, that's where I was born, I think, in the faith. Um, but I remember one guy, uh, you know, the, the Calvary Chapel movement came from uh, the hippies, right? There's a little background there, the hippies. And there was one, one kid who thought he was going to go back to the roots. Um, and, and, you know, he, uh, he, how to say this nicely, he decided to, well, take his mother's bathrobe and kind of wear it like ancient, you know, Christians did, you know, wear a robe and put a headband around his head. And he walked around campus very prophetic like. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he got a lot of grief. He really did. Uh, poor guy. He was a nice guy. But, you know, he got a lot of grief and was persecuted. Um, that's being persecuted, but not necessarily for righteousness sake. That's fine if you want to wear a robe. I don't want to smash anybody's dreams if that's what you're thinking of doing. But to be persecuted for that is not to be persecuted for truth, right? We are in an upside down world and God's truth is contrary to that. But please stick to this. That's what I'm really trying to say. Stick to this. And hopefully... The accusation will be against us. These people, they don't do the things we do. 
They don't live like we live. They're turning our world upside down. And truth will, will do that. Uh, what a great thing that would be if we could be accused of turning the world upside down with truth and love and compassion and holiness, right? Um, a lot of hurting people in this world because they don't want the truth. Now notice verse 7. This is where it all ends up. They've turned the world upside down. They've come here too. Jason has harbored them and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar saying there is another king, Jesus. And so this ends up being their accusation against them. There's another king. Now, this is what the Jews in Jesus' day claimed. Oh, he's making himself out to be a king. We have no king but Caesar, right? Now, they really didn't mean that, did they? <laughs> the Jews absolutely hated Caesar, but they hated Jesus more. And, and here, that's what they bring against these uh, Paul and Silas. And some of them were persuaded, I'm sorry, in verse 9. Uh, so when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So our, our man Jason here, he, he puts down some money and says, okay, they'll leave the city, <laughs> right? These troublemakers will leave the city, and if not, I'll lose my money. Now, did he lose his money? Who knows how long they stayed, really. But they're going to go to Berea next, and it's going to be good stuff. But the world will always buck against truth. The world will always buck against a king. We'll always buck against a king. And Jesus wants to be a king. But when you look at the history of things, man, when we do what's right in our own eyes, it's ugly. God hasn't made us for sin. God hasn't made us for selfishness. And it gets ugly. But then there's Jesus, a good king. Jesus lays down his life for us. He demonstrates his love for us that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And he comes to give us life. God, thank you for loving us so much. We were all so backward and upside down in our own world. And it was ugly. It's always ugly. But God, you came to pay the price for our sin because you absolutely love us. You came to give us hope and a new citizenship in your kingdom. God, I just pray that we would have that message in our own heart. Uh, we can get kind of longing for the things of this upside down world. And yet you're the only one who has what we need. God, we can get kind of into our own kings and, and live in our own life for us. And yet, God, you're so good. You want to be our king. God, we just ask that as we face this week, we would take these truths into, into this world, the hurting people that you put us with and around. God, help us to have a message of hope and truth and life as we go into this world.
Be blessed in our week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.